Hello, I'm Letitia, founder of personal coaching company Looper, and this is the New Leaf podcast. New Leaf explores the practical, emotional, and sometimes messy side of getting back to work after having had a baby, but with a particular focus on pre and post baby identity. In each episode, I interview incredible ladies and sometimes the odd bloke to find out quite how they manage their returns together with their challenges and vulnerabilities. In the age where the pressure for female perfection and having it all has never been higher, welcome to New Leaf. Follow the podcast on Instagram at, at newleafpodcast to find out more and follow me at loopergrowth to find out about my prenatal and postnatal mama coaching program. This episode was an absolute pleasure to record and it's amazing to be making friends with such wonderful people all over the world as part of this podcast. Jasmine Lee Nichols was hilarious, super dry, sarcastic and best of all, refreshingly honest. As you'll hear at the end of the episode, Jasmine said how much she was looking forward to sharing a bottle of wine one day, which hopefully we can actually do once all this COVID madness is over. She was so inspiring and thought-provoking. Just to let you know, there's a tiny bit of feedback and rustling, but hopefully you can overlook some of this for the sheer content gold from the lovely Jasmine and all the gems she had to say. I want to give you a bit of a lens through which to listen to this. There were quite a few things in the episode that I wasn't quite sure whether to include and I couldn't work out why I was having this dilemma as to what to publish as it had just felt like one of the many typical conversations I've had with my own mum, my sister and my other mum friends. After a while, I realised that it was because I found some of the content so at odds with a lot of what you read in the birthing and motherhood books, particularly in terms of some of the feelings we have around motherhood, like occasionally finding it boring, frustrating or limiting, which we discuss in the episode. Equally, I was concerned with maybe being too gory or too raw for perhaps expectant mum listeners or non-baby listeners, and I had to really challenge myself on this one. Why was I worried about including these stories? Well, probably because almost all of them I hadn't even known were possibilities when I was pregnant. I've since had thousands of conversations with my own mum friends in this vein. For example, oh my god, why did nobody tell us this? Or why don't they talk about this at antenatal classes, etc, etc. There appears to be an extreme caution or fear around scaring new mums or people who are pregnant by being honest about some of the very simple and practical ways we can take care of ourselves after the realities of pregnancy and birth that are so often beyond our control. Of course there's a line and it should go without saying that one person's difficult birth or early days of motherhood may not necessarily reflect every woman's experience. However, Knowledge and preparation are power. There's ample research saying that people with rigid birth plans or preferences can experience low mood or even postnatal depression due to mismanaged expectations. Yet, we don't mention wound care, the need for postnatal physio, the possibility of infection, mastitis, breast thrush and tongue ties as often frequent occurrences during the early days of motherhood, which can be deeply upsetting and at odds with what new mums expect. Talking about them doesn't make them happen. And if these things don't happen, great. But I know that I wish I had been armed with more. I fully embraced the hippie approach, originally wanting no pain relief, natural birth, aka vaginal birth, which anyone who's had forceps or an episiotomy may confirm didn't feel particularly natural. And of course, breast is best. My baby had other ideas and my story was different. However, idolising the perfect or natural birth can be at best unpredictable and at worst inaccurate. And even the perfect birth will have its nuances. From the sheer volume of ladies I speak to about their birth experiences, there is such a great deal that is left up to chance, to anatomy and to third party factors that indoctrinating women that they can all breathe their babies out and all have a beautiful, perfect breastfeeding journey, as long as they try hard enough, is unhelpful. 
Much to my perfectionist dismay, there's no objectively perfect path to perfect birth or motherhood. But we can make it personally perfect by embracing some of the imperfections and educating ourselves to be armed and ready with whatever nature throws at us. The aim shouldn't be to scare, but it should be to educate. So I let it all in. Personally perfect. Can't wait to hear what you think. So our guest on this episode is an entrepreneur and co-founder of online company Flash FOMO, which she bravely runs with her husband, David. Flash FOMO works with social media influencers to create personally branded products that they can market to their social audiences, but managing the whole process, so product design, manufacture and delivery via personalized online shop fronts. She's worked with some of the biggest global media advertising companies, such as IPG Media, WPP, in Melbourne and in Singapore, and has worked with some of the world's leading brands, including Nike, L'Oreal and BMW, just to mention a few. She is mum to Frederick, or Freddie, who's two, and is in her third trimester with her second. Um, I'm not quite sure how she's doing it, but we are about to find out how. Welcome, Jasmine Lee Nichols. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'll just describe to our listeners how we know each other. So I got like a LinkedIn message from your husband who was like, I think my wife would be perfect for this podcast. So shout out to your husband for, you know, being your biggest cheerleader. Absolutely. He definitely is. And um, he has no qualms of reaching out to people, <laughs> which is good for yeah. me. So where, just describe to our listeners, where are you in the world right now? And what can you see in front of you? So I am in Melbourne, Australia, which is where I'm originally from. We're currently back in stage four lockdown for COVID, which is just thrilling. It means we can't, or we can leave the house for an hour a day and we can't see anyone outside of our house. Yeah, good, good times. Great for pregnancy um, because I'm always close to a bathroom, which is, <laughs> which is peeing about 75 times a day. Yeah, good for running a business actually because you've got nothing else to do. So it's actually been kind of positive, especially in like these crazy times. Otherwise, you'd just lose your mind. So tell me about Freddie. Yeah, so Freddie is our little guy. He's hilarious and this age is beautiful. And, you know, you get told when they start running around and walking that it can be more stressful and hard, but we just think it's so funny. <laughs> like their little personality coming through and he's now in an imaginative stage so he puts on like this weird devil voice and pretends to be a robot so that he's also a racing car a mower man and a blower man so just constant entertainment so again very lucky to have him during COVID because we'd be very bored otherwise but yeah he's he's awesome and he was we planned to start a family and I was lucky that a few months later we were able to. But yeah, that first baby really rocks your world, flips everything on its head in yeah. an awesome way. But as we're going to talk about, no one maybe really talks about the you meant to always be very positive and thankful and enjoy every second, but that's not humanly possible. You're also in your third trimester with a two-year-old. That can't be easy. Yeah, it's so funny. Like the comparison between my first pregnancy and this pregnancy is just ridiculous. Like the first one, I was in Singapore. I was kind of freelancing, so had my own time, had money as well. So, you know, did yoga, massages, met up with girlfriends for lunch, just, you know, relaxed, chilled, could wake up and go to bed whenever I wanted to. and then. This one is just like, <laughs> I think sounds really bad. And obviously I'm very excited for this child, but it's like the biggest inconvenience ever because we have <laughs> so much stuff going on. <laughs> and the timing wasn't exactly planned either. Um, yeah, it's so funny. Like, you know, the first one, every little twinge, every body change, I like was so excited about, interested in. I've literally read the whole internet about three times. And then this one's just, like, I actually forget I'm pregnant. I'll be doing something. Then I'll be, like, uncomfortable and kind of move around. Be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Be like, oh, no, I'm actually growing a human, so that's fine. 
sounds really weird, but I still can't actually believe that I grew a human. Like when I look at Bryce, I'm like, I can't believe that I created you. Like the concept is still so abstract to me. And I'm doing it again. And I've literally got a child moving inside of me and it's still... (laughs) (laughs) People think that if you're a woman, you don't find it creepy. And it's like, no, it's actually quite creepy. It's really weird. And then if you're ever with your own mum, you and your child, and you're like, I came out of that belly button. And then your child's (laughs) belly button is from you. (laughs) It's all really weird. It's not worth thinking about belly button please forgive me I am pregnant and was up at 4 15 a.m with my gorgeous little son Freddie sounds hilarious so what stage is he at now he's obviously talking walking yes he's running climbing jumping stringing sentences together and it's that beautiful thing of watching him roll words around his mouth and figure them out and then stop and say it again because he's really learning. And so it's things like mummy, daddy, baby brother, Freddie, everybody. <laughs> yes. Oh. He's really realising about the world around him. Oh, I actually can't wait for that stage. And um, I know that toddlers get a bad rep, but actually they're just really really funny and you're kind of used to it by now like you're used Mm. to being tired constantly (laughs) definitely used to it that is for sure okay so what I would really like to ask about is Flash FOMO which is this company that you run with your husband so tell me all about it how did it start just tell us everything yeah so I've always worked in media as you kind of mentioned And Dave has always worked in the same industry as well and was working for a content kind of production agency in Singapore. And then we decided that with the baby coming that we would move back home to Melbourne because our whole family's here. Um, So he had the opportunity to get a role with another company that represented Asian social influencers. So they represented about 3,000 Asian social influencers and he was tasked with He became the CEO of Australia. There was one employee in Australia himself, but um, he worked regionally and he was tasked with finding a new source of revenue for this stable of talent because they're a multi-channel network and there wasn't as many opportunities for revenue as there had been in the past for branded content. So he actually kind of conceptualized this whole idea with the way the industry is moving towards social commerce of instead of a brand selling to a customer, influencers are their own brands. So if you look at Kylie Jenner, mm-hmm. you know, she's become a billionaire from a makeup range, etc. Um, and so the idea was formed about doing this for multiple influencers because they all have highly engaged audiences and you might have 10 million followers who are interested in buying some of your merchandise. So you might have 200,000 who are also highly engaged and interested in buying your own merchandise. Um, So there's this massive opportunity to help these influencers create their own branded products. And so he was kind of working on that idea for about a year with this company. And then in the end, they couldn't fund it. So we were able to take on that IP. um, And he decided to take the IP and leave the company, which worked out perfectly for them as well. And it coincided with me being about nine months or Freddie being nine months old and me definitely ready to get back to work. I think we were always working towards starting our own business because the way we even kind of bonded in the first place was we created this company when we were 18 called JF SAG, which stands for Just for Shits and Giggles. Um, and so, so we were 18, so that was like 14 years ago. And since then, we've just always had business ideas and that's something that we love coming up with together and just mulling over. So the time was right and I've done a few tiny, teeny tiny businesses myself in the past and have an entrepreneurial spirit. I come from a family of business owners, so I think that's probably where it comes from. So I really had no qualms with saying, yep, let's do this ourselves. Like I I can see the opportunity. It makes complete sense. You're the sales BD, big picture guy. I'm great at the details, project management, execution. That's why we kind of work so well together. So yeah, we just decided to start. So we did. 
So you were on maternity leave, but from your previous company, I assume. Well, no, actually, because um, we were in we were in Singapore. Then we moved back to Melbourne. Then we got bored, so we moved back to Singapore. Then I got pregnant, and so that second time in Singapore, I actually started my own kind of freelance business. So I was doing bits and pieces, working for you know small businesses, helping with their kind of marketing. Um, but I had a pretty flexible schedule and was able to travel a lot and go on a lot of the shoots that Dave was doing around the world and go and help be part of that production team so we we had a great year it was was fabulous but I came back with no job I wasn't actually on maternity leave I was just back home and so I was doing a few bits and pieces in the lead up to having Freddie but I wasn't on a real maternity leave. I assume you had friends who were on maternity leave from their own employment at existing companies with very much a defined time of being off. So how was that for you having kind of no defined time off and your own thing to go back to that was still in its inception, really? I think I really felt like I needed to prove myself in some way. I found um, that whole maternity leave thing one that I hadn't had I'd gone from these roles with you know recognizable brand names at Mindshare and Dentsu and whatever and I think I actually really loved working for those companies I did love working for those companies and maybe one of the parts of it was that they were recognizable and people got what I did you're part of this community which I realize is very important to me being part of communities so to not have that and to not have something that I was definitely going back into, I think maybe I felt like I needed to prove, you know how everyone's trying to prove to that person and there is no person. <laughs> it's like this weird person who cares that no one can actually um, name, so it's just yourself, that I did have a serious career and that I was working towards something and it was a real mental, I don't know, like I remember having you know, chats to friends afterwards while Freddie was still, you know, only a few months old and really like having deep and meaningful conversations about it, which looking back, they were probably like, can you just shut up? Like, (laughs) you're really talking my ear off. Like, I get it. Okay. You want a job, but you don't want a job because then you feel guilty because should you just be at home with your beautiful child and loving every second of that because you're able to and you don't have a job that you're being forced to go back to like other women who don't have a choice and maybe their maternity leave finishes at six months or something and they've got to go back to it and I wasn't in that position so I should have been thankful and all those fun things pretty much. And there are so many shoulds in that sentence. I mean you know how Beyonce has her alter ego Sasha Fierce like I feel like we should all have one for that person, as you refer to them, like this kind of evil person inside of us, this evil twin that we're constantly trying to prove ourselves to. It's so weird. That is a good idea. So in the same vein, you said that being part of a community was something that was super important to you. And I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into this. Do you think that it's the being part of that community having that sense of belonging that is super important to you or do you feel that it's almost being part of a brand as something that people recognize and maybe the status that comes with that that is important to you too I think maybe you nailed it then and it's the first time I've really thought about it but maybe it is that status thing of like you work hard to get to somewhere and then a status is like a badge of oh okay I get I get you because you've done such and such and such cool, I can relate to you on this level. And then maybe suddenly when you become a mum and you're not there anymore, it's very wishy-washy and you're not like anchored and people can't immediately recognise maybe your value or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think exactly as you say, being part of that brand or being part of something recognisable, it's like a ticket into people's minds sometimes, maybe on one level approval almost like, oh yes, they're clearly intelligent, successful, they've ticked that box, I want to talk to this person, which I personally felt a bit lost without when I was on maternity leave and when I was just coming back. And I'd have been out, out for the first time in months and with friends of friends and people would be like, oh, what do you do? And I found it really difficult to say that I was on maternity leave. And I know that's really odd, but 
I did, particularly to blokes. Yeah, no, I I get it because you just immediately, it's like, oh, and pro- probably because you're really excited to be going to the party and not being with your child and having some adult conversation. You're like, I really want to have a good, interesting conversation with you. <laughs> Please, let's not stop it now by me saying I'm on maternity leave and you losing interest. Yeah, and that's the, the sad bit. And I, I've mentioned it before. I think it's just really difficult to kind of explain to people what you do all day. Absolutely. Like, and when you're really in the thick of it, you know, saying to people, well, today I went to the park and my baby did five poos and then we came home. It's just really difficult to make this exciting. So important to go through motherhood with people who have kids the same age as you on the same stage because you could talk to them for five hours about those poos and they'd be really interested and they're really important, but it's very hard to slip into a dinner conversation yeah my husband often says that he's like having a having a chat about Bryce's like nappy contents and then realizes that it's not normal (laughs) but that's the thing it is normal and one of the things that I think COVID has been amazing for is that all these little people around us are suddenly front and center and you had no idea some of these people had kids and they can't be hidden, and why should they be? They're a massive part of all these people's lives, and we've tried to (laughs) hide them away. But probably the person that, you know, he was talking about the poo with might have been really interested, could have remembered (laughs) their time dealing with toddler poo. (laughs) Oh, I really like where this conversation is going. Uh, Moving on from poo. So obviously you've spent a lot of time in some ways, the community of entrepreneurship, right? I mean, that's what It must be like a badge of honor, I guess, because there are many, many fewer female entrepreneurs than male entrepreneurs. But do you feel that there's kind of a prevalent set of assumptions within the startup world about what women sort of do or don't do post babies? Like, have you found other role models to kind of emulate? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I don't know if I'm in a slightly unique position because it's my husband and I. So it's, I haven't found I don't know if it's the time or the the timing to really get into like the full female startup community that I would probably like to be in but I think my time is so taken with just doing what's needed on the day-to-day basis looking after Freddie then you know running a household or whatever that I often think about all the wonderful female startup things I'd like to be involved in and probably this year would have been a great time. Then I got pregnant, then COVID hit. So (laughs) I would like to be much more involved. But what I'm actually finding is that why I say I don't know if I'm in a unique position because as husband and wife, that is seen by some as a bit strange and maybe a bit of a warning sign from in investors I think we have been really conscious of it and we're very quiet about talking about our first son let alone telling anyone we were pregnant we didn't tell anyone for like months and we actually did a whole accelerator program that went for three months and we only told them at the very end just because I don't know again like it's not like anyone has ever said anything but I'm just assuming like okay an investor is generally a certain type of person probably potentially a middle-aged man looking at a cup at a husband and wife being like oh okay well that's weird what what if that goes wrong um which in from my point of view how could you have a more solid partnership than a husband and wife who want to start a business together who have gone through 14 years of life together who have moved countries multiple times had a baby had all the upheavals in the world and then still have a business that's around 18 months later with zero income If we can get through that, then I'd say we're a pretty good, solid partnership team. But that is a flag. And so then throwing in, oh, we've got a child and another one on the way. I think it's just all a bit too much. So we're quiet about it. So that's actually what my mind went to for this question first versus um, the more positive, like kind of female. 
And finding that additional time for things like particular communities or following amazing role models in that space must be super hard when you're trying to manage a toddler, deal with being pregnant, and also all the just super boring task mode stuff that you kind of have to do with motherhood in terms of feeding and sleeping routines. It can just be really hard to give yourself that space to be creative or be sort of visionary or think laterally. But you know, it's sad what you say about investors or VCs. Oh, by the way, for anybody listening, VCs just stands for venture capitals, just people who fund businesses. You're absolutely right that they do tend to fit a particular profile. And I did a bit of research on this and was a bit horrified, but also not that surprised. And that at least in the UK, only 30, well, 38% of VC firms don't have a single woman in the entire business. And that also um, less than 2% of total VC funding goes to female founded businesses. And actually less than 1% of that um, goes to BAME founded businesses. So there must definitely be some biases here that are making us kind of withhold this information and not want to be open about the realities of our family unit and our business life. Just being conscious of it, I suppose, because we want to, we're trying to put our best foot forward. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, it's probably easier not to say I'm seven months pregnant. <laughs> and COVID is just, that has taken away all that thinking time as well, because we had a great system. We had, Freddie was in daycare one day a week, was at my parents twice a week and Dave's parents. Mm -hmm. So we had this great setup. We had four full days to work together. We had an office and that's where you get that space. But now that we're, you know, at home, Freddie's with us the majority of the time. We're husband and wife. Like it's just easy to be like, oh, our baby, let's go. (laughs) Let's go for a walk instead of let's strategically think about something for three hours. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess for the benefit of, of our listeners, like how how on earth did you cope like when COVID first hit? I mean, when both of you are running a business and let alone the same business running it together and then dealing with a toddler at home and suddenly zero childcare, how did that even work? And particularly now because you're back in lockdown. So how are you doing this? Um, we were lucky that um, when it first hit, we were still able to use parents for childcare. So he was able to go for a few hours a day to my parents who were just down the road. So that was helpful. But we very early on, we started splitting our time. So we kind of would wake up in the morning and be like, okay, you take the morning shift, I'll take the afternoon shift. And then we at least get a solid, you know, four or five hours in a row to do what we need to do. Um, And that took a really long time to get to that point because... I reckon it took about a year or so for me to, one, regain my confidence that I was beneficial to this business because, you know, when when you're really starting, it's very much a sales job for a startup, I think, especially for what we were trying to achieve, which is a lot of relationships with talent agencies um, and talking to them about the platform that we've built um, and very much based around Dave's relationships in the industry because he's an amazing relationship guy and absolutely I can talk to anyone and I love having a chat, but I'm not the biggest, you know, schmoozer in the world. I'm not the biggest networker. I, For me, networking is finding people that you like and chatting to them and then realising you've made a relationship or a connection with them. Like, oh, okay, this is networking versus walking up to them and shaking their hand and saying, hi, I'm blah, blah. This is what yeah. I do. <laughs> and I don't think you're alone in that. I think a lot of people find the idea of like networking, quote unquote, as being pretty embarrassing and pretty cringe generally. Super Just- cringe. And then I realised, you know, I realised a while ago that you never have to be anything that you're not and Mm. that's not what I'm good at. I know what my strengths are. So slowly, slowly, slowly but surely we kind of figured out my place in the business versus Dave's and it's obviously become more and more busy as we've had more work to do and things to work on, which is what I much prefer, doing the work that's not um, kind of held to a time so that mm. I'm always available for Freddie if needed um, and just that it gives me anxiety to know that I have three client meetings that day 
that I need to like jump on whereas Dave is just like amazing at talking to anyone anywhere not having to prepare mentally for things like that's his forte and then what really helps is so the third person in the business is actually my sister um, and so she's in charge of all the product um, and now all the customer service element of the business um, and she's amazing like she's so detail oriented and also family so she completely understands if there's anything freddie related and mm. you know sometimes we've said she's a very well-paid babysitter because there's been times when Dave and I've gone off to meetings and she's looked after Freddie for us and like it's just a literally day by day every day it changes and then currently what we're doing now that we're in lockdown stage four Phoebe actually has moved in with us which is amazing that's amazing yeah so she's um in the spare room that just got built by my dad before the lockdown happened. So she's moved in there. She helps with Freddie and she works with us. So it's really living the dream. I highly recommend getting a sister to come and stay with you during um, pregnancy. But you have two sisters. So this, I'm assuming that this is not the sister who's just had a baby, right? Right, that's the other sister. And how is new mum sister doing, by the way? Yeah, she's good. It's that kind of awful thing of watching those beautiful, calm, almost to be newborn parents in like this angelic beauty, having no (laughs) idea what they're in for. And then the poor things have had quite a few things thrown at them over like the last 10 days, you know, and it's things that no one tells you. You don't realise, like you're so focused on the baby, but you don't realise how much the mum can be dealt all these different little health things that of course you'll get through but it's a bloody nightmare when it first happens they're in the thick of things which has um freaked Dave and I out because now we remember what it's like to have a newborn and we're seven six weeks away from it so that'll be interesting scary scary I think with the newborn thing, because when we, so again, for the benefit of listeners, when I first spoke to Jasmine initially, when we were just having a coffee and trying to decide if this was like, you know, something that, that we wanted to do together, you were talking about your sister and you were like, yeah, I turned up at her house and I was just like, you know, <laughs> covered in sort of toddler residue. Oh, like Vel- Velcro shoes, puffer yeah. jacket, hair, like just scraped onto my head I was literally the typical mother and she looked like this beautiful pregnant angel and I was (laughs) yeah the pregnant angel is just so true I know you really because if you knew what you're in for you'd never do it that's good that's how it should be exactly absolutely I think that's mother nature reflecting on those early days now obviously everybody has their own experience but what were they like for you yeah um I think the early days I was very surprised by how much I suppose everyone has their own um story of labor and what happened to them I don't know if you want me to actually tell you what happened it's no better or worse than anyone else's it's just that it happens and then all these other things are thrown at you and you just could never prepare for all the different things that happen. So for me, I ended up being induced because I'd gone a bit over and the placenta was didn't have as much oxygen or something as it should have had. So it was induced, had an epidural that then didn't work, which was great. So then it was like spewing, <laughs> had another one which did work and then um, Freddie was a bit kind of chunky so he was pulled out with forceps he came out at 3.7 kilos um had an episiotomy so they sorted that out and perfectly healthy baby perfectly healthy mum that's just what happened to me and um I went into it just trusting the doctor and knowing I actually wanted a epidural just because I think it just kind of was calming to know that I wouldn't go through this epic pain which I actually did already feel because when you're induced, it can come sometimes come on pretty quickly. So definitely felt Mm -hmm. contractions, definitely have experienced labour. So that was all okay. And then when I got home, I was like just constantly at the bloody doctors. So mastitis like three times, episiotomy got infected, which was great. And just things I didn't even know could happen really. So I, I suppose... It's like that thing of, you know, new parents about to do it. 
I don't know what advice you give them other than make sure you do take care of yourself as well afterwards because the quicker you get onto these things um, and the more prepared you are for all the scenarios, the easier because it's really hard to go from being very spontaneous, in control of your time, able to do whatever you need to do for yourself to suddenly having this little baby that's completely dependent on you and you know, oh, if, if I only had these particular, I don't know, like I'm talking postpartum disgusting things like mm-hmm. pads or like a sitz bath mm-hmm. or something, that would be amazing to have it because it would help with recovery. But it's kind of a hard thing to even ask your partner afterwards because, one, you don't maybe don't want to go into why you particularly need it um, and you're just too tired to even explain what you want. So just this time around I'm just very prepared. I know what I'm getting myself in for, so that's a massive, massive change. And I've already gone through that mental adjustment of motherhood, which is, that's massive. Like I read somewhere that it takes four months to become comfortable with being a mother. And I Mm. totally believe that. And I totally believe giving yourself like eight weeks to even start feeling like your life has some sense of normality. Eight weeks for the new normal. And yeah, four months to comfortable with being a mother I wonder what listeners think about that time frame I think what you just said about being prepared is so interesting and that it can be really really tough to express that need to be prepared for all the kind of gory stuff to expectant mums without being seen to be negative or scaremongering when actually I'm sure a lot of women think ah I just wish someone had recommended that sits bath or salt bath before or I I wish that somebody had told me about episiotomy aftercare or c-section scar care before because we can't predict birth really and when you're already managing just with the process of becoming a new mum psychologically it can just be a lot to swallow as well the physical side of things especially if like me you thought that hypnobirthing would solve everything and that I'd walk out the same day no problem which totally does happen but I just wouldn't say it's the majority and I think it just maybe needs to be a little bit more awareness around yeah no absolutely and I think the the most frustrating thing I found was the conflicting advice so like you're sitting in hospital and you're reading advice saying not to do what the hospital's doing to you Mm. and it's it was so frustrating we had um Freddie had a like a tongue tie and so this is just one example of conflicting information. The maternal health nurse said, yep, I think he's got it, so I'll refer you to the specialist. The specialist was a specialist in that, so, of course, he's like, yep, he needs this glazed off or whatever. I'm like, okay, yep, okay, we better do it because it can impact all such and such things. We're like, okay. And then I spoke to a lactation consultant a few weeks later. She's like, oh, you, he didn't need that. Um, no, that's like a, you know, that's baloney. They don't need that. You can just do such and such. Like, well, who are you meant to trust? So I decided to just trust the person with the most experience in that particular thing. Absolutely. And when that's not working and that experienced person isn't sitting right with you, I kind of wish somebody had said at the beginning, by the way, there is no handbook and everything that you're told will change in the next five years. So the advice is do whatever you want to do and just ignore everybody else. Absolutely. And there's just too much information as well. Like we have instant access to information. So I think you've got to be absolutely, if you, it's fine to read the internet and go into all the different forums and social media and whatever, but just know that the actual information you should be following is maybe more government websites or things like that. Don't get caught up in something that reads really truthful but maybe doesn't have I don't know scientific backing or things like that just just so you can kind of filter through it all because it's just so much well it sounds like Dave was phenomenally supportive to you in all of this Dave and I have both been extremely lucky because he's been able to be so hands-on because his job his last job has allowed it and I assume this job will allow it (laughs) since it's our own company. What I tried to do, I don't know if he'd say the same, but letting him do it his own way. So not kind of, you know, looking over his shoulder and being like, oh, you should do this, this and this. I would kind of just walk away. And if he would ask me a million questions, of course, I'd answer them. But I'd also be like, you've got this, like you've got a phone, 
you've got Google, you know what you want to do, just kind of do it. And so he figured out his own way of doing things and he's massively, massively hands-on. I did used to say the only thing he couldn't do was breastfeed and now we're waiting for a breastfeed, (laughs) what is it, a transplant so that he can really do everything. (laughs) That would just be fantastic. Wouldn't that be great? But in saying that, I think that in terms of like, you know, running a household and just physically being the ones who carry these children, obviously we've got more of a mental load that falls on women. And over the years, I have figured out little ways to help. Just I'm so conscious of communication. So I never expect him to know what's going on in my head because how could he? Like, how could I know what's going on in his head? Like, I think that's just written in fantasy books that there's a happily ever after and that a man should understand your every thought. I think that's just stupid. But if you open your mouth and say, I'm feeling this or I need this help here, and even literally just writing lists of, okay, I'm thinking of all these things, and then when the page gets turned over and you're still writing the list of all the things and then you're writing his three things that he's like sorting out like packing a dishwasher it's a really good tool to show that maybe you're getting a bit overwhelmed and that you need help in certain areas and so that's what we've had to kind of get to this equilibrium with our business and life because our business and our life is so intertwined and I'm also a Libra so I'm all about equality and balance. So I see no difference in, so I'm running a business with you. We've both got this child. We both live in this house. We both do these things. Why am I doing more? That Mm. makes no sense to me. So I don't know if he really enjoys that, but that's my thinking. So we're quite, um, we definitely share the load as much as possible. I mean, the other day, we were, my husband and I were just dividing up stuff to do in the house and he just like had a little pause to himself and just said, how easy would it be just to be a 1950s man? <laughs> I, I was like, what? Please elaborate, please. And he just said, I would come home, you would have cooked, you would have done all my ironing, all the laundry would be done, house would be clean, and then I'd just eat dinner, wouldn't have to clear up, and then I'd just carry on working or just go and read my book. It would just be so easy to just not be a hands-on dad, but so rubbish and so unfulfilling and how much have so many blokes been missing out on well, as a result. And that you turn it the other way. Imagine being a 1950s housewife knowing what your jobs were though and not having this whole other thing of also needing to be everything like if you if you like if you simplified your life it must have been like quite a simple somewhat I don't know there must be some happiness in those generations of just people doing their thing everyone doing the same thing you know all the other mums rallying around you when you had a newborn or whatever it's back to that sense of community I suppose and losing our village and whatever um, because we're all just trying to do so many things the not having stuff to worry about I think that's really interesting but I mean the thing is women haven't changed it's just that the time has changed Mm. and I don't know about you but I would go insane and I don't think that the societal construct would, would change how I felt, you know, just because that was different. Work saved me. No, I, I completely agree. And I would I could never actually be a 1950s housewife. None more so like on maternity leave. I, I think I expected to maybe want to be a stay-at-home mum because my mum my is one and so I'm one of four and she's an amazing mum. She's just so nurturing. Everything is focused around us and she's just so beautiful. And maybe I thought I wanted to do that and maybe I thought other people expected me to want to do that as well. And I kind of very quickly realised that I love being busy. So I would prefer to like go and do a load of washing and do the kitchen and feel like I'm progressing. Like to me, that is ticking things off and kind of moving forward and kind of sitting with a baby and playing for two hours on the floor like frustrates me. And I didn't know that about myself, but I learned that about myself. And then I realized more and more how I really need work to stimulate me. Mm. Did you feel like just the act of becoming a mother would just change you? 
I think that's, yeah, that's a good point. I think I thought it would be more, almost more personality changing. And it's really not. Even like pregnancy and motherhood, you're still you. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. these things just happen to you and your personality. And then you've got this little person. I don't think your preferences and your wants out of life necessarily change as much as I thought they might. Mm, I think I thought that as well. Yeah. That you don't. No. I remember people asking because I love wine and especially in Singapore because, you know, everything revolved around going out and having fun. So it's very boring being pregnant over there. People would be like, oh, so, you know, you feel you're like, you know, earth mama and enjoying the pregnancy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, so imagine it's you right now and you can't drink. So that's how I feel because it's just, I haven't changed. I'm just growing this thing inside of me. (laughs) So I think a few people got the end of me saying that to them and were a bit taken back a few times because I think I said that to quite a few people, especially men to explain it because they like try, they were trying to ask me all kind of in a really nice nurturing way. I'm like, no, 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 I'm still me, but I just can't do the things that I like doing. Yeah. And this is the thing, right? But actually, I think you're doing society a favor, but you're just saying, yeah, like I haven't really changed at all. Yeah. Still the same person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very funny. I, I actually quite enjoyed playing that game. <laughs> I try to be so nice as well. I do loving being pregnant. I'm like, well, no, no, not really. I'm finding most social occasions are actually a massive drag without the lubrication of alcohol. Mm, they're very boring. Um, um, controversial. That's right. Yeah, you're still you, you're still fun and you will get back to being you again as well. We talked a bit about this identity thing. If somebody asked, okay, so who who was Jasmine pre-Freddy and what the kind of similarities and differences were, how has motherhood changed that? It's almost like the things that I do now are different. So whereas before was very spontaneous, like, you know, I'd do a lot of travelling, go wherever we wanted. We'd pick up, you know, we moved countries three times in six years or something just because we could. We were living a very fun, big, exciting life. And then, yeah, then you become a parent and you can't do those things as much as you'd like to. But it's not even that you can't. You realise a lot of these things you don't want to do anymore. That was a big realisation for us that a bit more of, you know, a bit of a quieter (laughs) existence is also very fulfilling and, you know, in a lot of ways more fulfilling with this little person. So I think that was a big, a big change to just kind of slow things down a bit. Maybe some of the things we were doing, I didn't actually enjoy that much. Becoming more routine has actually been great because we used to just really be very spontaneous. So that was a big adjustment to motherhood, having to suddenly become routine for this little guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's quite calming, actually, to kind of know what to expect. And it meant that things that I would never do, like stupid things I've noticed, like, I don't know, if you had a vitamin or something you were meant to take. I used to never take it because I'd just be all over the place and, I don't know, never have a set routine to my day. But now I can actually do those things. And going into this pregnancy, I think a lot of my probably issues after having Freddie were that I wasn't really taking care of myself because I wouldn't carve out that time again because I didn't have a proper routine. But now I'm like, okay, this time around there's a certain like breastfeeding vitamin thing that I want to take that I'll make sure I do that and like recovery Mm. for down there there's some you know home treatments that I know things like that so it's really like I don't I don't know what it is yeah maybe like calmed it all down yeah it's predictability right it's interesting that you feel that it's taken a second pregnancy a vessel for growing another person for you to carve out time for yourself well it's yeah, just focusing. It's not actually, it's not like fun stuff that I'm carving out time for. It's like preserving, making sure I actually really look after myself a bit more because I will have these little guys that need me. 
Yeah, and I'm lucky. Like Dave is amazingly supportive. You know, I would. I don't know how women do a second pregnancy with a toddler and going into an office every day. Like you're just incredible. Because I've been able to, when I'm just exhausted, I can go and crawl into bed and mm. Dave will sort out everything. And then lately I've been maybe getting up with Freddie and then going back to bed because I just can't function without a few extra hours of sleep. Things like that. Like I just say what I actually need and maybe don't go. I think I don't go with the flow as much as I used to. Maybe I used to be like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. Sure, everyone's doing it versus now like... Mm. My time's actually really precious. I don't think I want to do that. I'd rather, I don't know, do something else that actually interests me. Mm, Yeah, I think you definitely get more ruthless. I find prioritizing relationships as well, which I know sounds like a weird... Totally agree. Yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. It's that time thing. Like you just time becomes such a big thing that you don't have. (laughs) Yeah, but one of the things I appreciated the most about motherhood is that you really, really focus on what matters. And it's very clear, very quickly, who your friends are and the people that really support you and Mm. want to help. And just because you can't come out all the time anymore, or be a part of the gang anymore in the same way, you're still visible, you know, to them. It's so obvious that they're the people you need to hold on to. Yeah like you know friends without kids who are really supportive like how beautiful yeah and just thoughtful and considerate some friends can be yeah so shout out to the people who don't have kids who are listening to this you are amazing yeah absolutely we need other women um very much and whether whether you're part of the mum club or not and it's like I think a big adjustment to motherhood is not having the time to be the friend that you used to be. So maybe you used to message them every few days or <laughs> call or whatever. And it's things like not having a present for their birthday that's nicely wrapped because when could you go to the shop <laughs> and get the, <laughs> get the wrapping paper? And, you know, things that you've always set up to be this type of person who maybe was seen as very thoughtful and considerate and doing all these things and and you suddenly can't. I think I found that quite difficult to be like, oh, am I not being the friend that I used to be, which means that they're going to be kind of put out or upset at me. But Mm. I just can't. I just cannot. Yeah, absolutely. And just those friends that appreciate that there's an ebb and flow to it and you might not be messaging them all the time anymore or whatever it doesn't mean you're not there it's just that you know and obviously when their turn comes Mm. you'll be it because you've been through it yourself it's just that perhaps you know they just don't it's just it's very difficult to describe um happily for me even though I felt like I wasn't being the friend that I used to be all these friends are still in my life and beautiful and maybe that was a bit surprising that I didn't need to do all those you know those extra little things really don't matter people understand when you have a baby that your whole life has changed so because you guys decided to start flash from and you said nine months into Freddie's life how did you kind of figure that transition out that going back yeah well I suppose one doing it with my husband was very comforting because I could have my limits you know it was kind of a gentle way into going back to work versus having to go back because your maternity leave is finished or whatever. You know, if, if we mm. went through a week and I just felt like I needed to spend more time with Freddie than I was able to. Mm. So I was very lucky in that way that it was kind of a transition that I could make however mm. I wanted to. Then I suppose I was trying to remember what I was feeling at that time and Yeah, one was kind of trying to carve out what my role was um, Mm. and trying to prove that I had the skills to do it maybe, to prove that I could do it to any people we were talking to or to myself. And then with childcare and things like that, we decided to have a day a week at childcare, so a full day there and then with both sets of grandparents as well throughout the week. And that was like, it's funny how you do straight away that mother guilt gets you out of nowhere and it was you know so many thoughts of oh I'm being so selfish I'm only working because I want to 
like I don't need to be doing this. Should I be looking after you instead of sending you to these strangers one day a week? And he'd cry every time we left and say, oh, it's just awful, isn't it? And But then as soon as you kind of got through it and you were free and Dave and I would be in the car, oh, my God, we're free, and we'd go and sit in a cafe and have a coffee and do some work and that was just so liberating and made me so much happier I'm so much I'm happy because I have that wonderful balance of my baby plus a business like that definitely makes me happy and makes me enjoy my life if I was fully at home by myself I would be an absolute nutter and I think women who do that or it in a position where they have to do that are just incredible. Like I've got friends who are, especially this year, you know, they've just had babies at the end of last year and practically spent the whole year at home because all these restrictions have come in so they can't, you know, even go with friends with other babies and work. Yeah, and they're just so strong. Women are so strong and mums will never say anything's wrong. You're like, oh, and how's it going? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, I'm lucky because... He's doing this and he slept through the night and, you know, I'm lucky I've got a good baby. I'm like, yeah, but, like, this is a shit scenario. (laughs) You're allowed to vent. Like, you're really going through something hard, but you don't even let yourself acknowledge that because women just suck it up. Yeah, they really, really do. But I think probably the number one thing we can all learn from motherhood, which is just that, like I know this is such a cliche and it's really annoying to say but I don't care I'm going to say it anyway women are actually amazing like I just didn't really figure it out until I had a baby that I was just like I cannot believe that women are doing this all the time all the time I just didn't even know that this was super humanly possible when you hear about people's birth stories or feeding stories or it's incredible and I've said before that it's like this veil it's like you're walking through the veil I reckon once you give birth well when you get pregnant as well because you realize how many people are walking around doing it and not complaining when when they really should be and then you give birth and you're just like how have we done this for eons and then and then the looking after the baby begins and you feel like utter crap but you just keep going and there is no choice it's not even a it's not like a decision you have to make it just kind of you just keep going and going and going and you can't believe how much you can deal with it's incredible the resolve comes from somewhere yes it's amazing so Melbourne's under lockdown again. Stage four lockdowns yeah. So what does that involve one hour a day out and that's it? Yeah, and I suppose the hard thing is not being able to go and visit anyone. So you're only allowed to be within your own household. Yeah, it's been interesting. I, th- I think we've we've dealt with it pretty well. Definitely had some moments. Probably I'm surprised I haven't had more moments. But there's, you know, stress about it's a startup that we've got. So the stress about not having a consistent income with a brand new baby on the way, we'd just gotten into a great rhythm of how everything worked and then we just have to assume that it's going to be an absolute shit show when the baby comes and hope that it's not. Um, So things like we've now, you know, Dave had a freak out and went and put the baby seat in the car so we're ready to go to the hospital because I was having a bit of a, you know, a few twinges, which second time around I'm so much more relaxed about. If it was the first time around I'd be absolutely freaking out. But it, it has come to my attention that this baby could actually come at any time. He made me pack my hospital bag on the weekend, <laughs> so that's all ready to go. Ah, this could happen. Yeah, exactly. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, it's not going to happen, I know. Crossing everything then that it doesn't happen until the last possible moment. Conscious of time, so there are three questions that it would be great just to ask you. In your opinion, do you feel that there's a particular priority for society or governments to focus on in terms of providing for new mums? I often think about this because I'm now a business owner and I'm actually really passionate about women coming back to work. And I think it's starting to think about it when businesses are even begun, that let's not just think of employees as these numbers or Mm -hmm. a guy or a girl or whatever. Think of them as maybe even family units and allow the whole business to be structured around that somehow. 
So especially because we're like obviously a family business, so it's me, Dave, my sister, who wants to have kids in the future. We're always saying, oh, we'll we'll have the nanny, (laughs) the office, have like a childcare centre, things like additional medical or sick leave, but in the first trimester because you're not telling anyone but just thinking about them and starting to wonder if you could actually put some processes in the workplace. I really liked how you flipped it there. Rather than trying to factor that into the workplace, flip it and be like, how can we factor work into life? Exactly. And I I think that COVID will be shaking all of this up because I don't think a lot of companies will be going back to doing five days a week at, of everyone coming into the office unless, you know, mm. certain industries or whatever. But as we said, you know, kids have come to the forefront. Why are we hiding them? Why our lives revolve around them anyway? And our work is our life. So yeah, maybe it's a bit of a shake up of how we do things. Childcare on site, things like that, I think would make a massive difference. And pre-COVID, they were all very hidden. I think that's the best thing ever. So amazing for people to just see it. And hopefully some of these people are in positions where they can now make changes. That Okay, they've seen their partner really do life. Now, how can they be more involved? Because they've now had the opportunity to be there. And how beautiful, especially I'm sure for some of these dads who have been able to have so much more time with their kids and get to know them. It'll be interesting to see if people really want to go back to how it was. So I just want to end on um, the final two questions. When you think about the future and what Freddie might think of you as a mom, like how would you want them to view you both as parents? Yeah, well, I would just love for them to remember how much fun we had and that I was very happy and fulfilled and excited to be working on my own business. And that I think you can, in some ways, you can choose your own happiness. Like you can choose to get really upset and hate your life Mm. or you can choose to see the fun in it. And that's a beautiful thing about Dave that I love. It's just constantly seeing the happy side of things when we're doing the most boring toddler-related things like dinner, which seems like Groundhog Day every time. Yeah, we're always laughing about something stupid. And that's really important because you have to do these mundane things in life. And if you don't see the fun parts of it, then you have to laugh. Yeah, I hope that they see their mum as enjoying her life and being ambitious and trying new things. And it's okay if things don't work out. Um, I've always said if it doesn't work out, I'll live in a shack. That's fine. You know, we have these ebbs and flows of life. (laughs) Sometimes there's good times, sometimes there's not. But last but not least, is there a particular piece of advice you'd want to leave mums who might be listening to this who are maybe concerned about going back to work or people who are pregnant who are thinking, oh my God, is there a particular nugget of wisdom you'd want to leave them with? Yeah, sure. I think maybe that it's absolutely okay and it takes time to adjust to everything and please don't expect a lot of yourself. Like it's a massive adjustment period and just allow yourself to have that time because how you feel from one month will be different to the next month and Mm. just one day at a time no decision is set in concrete I don't think and I think you might realize that when you do have kids as well that you're in control of your life and this little person's life you know some other things don't matter so if you want to go back to work and then you're finding it completely overwhelming and not what you wanted, even though that's what you were doing, it's absolutely fine. Just relook at everything and then try and figure out what you want from your new life because it is a total new change and it's okay to change your mind. I think that's such a good piece of advice. You can change your mind. And I wish you had said that to me. It's it's fine for things to change. I think we get really fixated on you've got like a back to work plan with your current employer and you think, oh my God, I'm not sure I can do this. But it's like, actually, you know, if you wanted to quit tomorrow, like you could without finances, but nobody is imprisoned by anything. You know? That's right. And yeah, you are in control and maybe, you know, previously where you looked up to your certain boss or whatever and your colleagues and that was your whole world. Once you've got this little baby, you'll realise that it's totally okay. Maybe those things don't matter as much and you just need to work out what works for you guys. 
yeah exactly definitely one day at a time and you can change your mind I think that's I think that's an amazing piece of advice well look I'm so grateful for you coming on this episode um it's been such a pleasure to talk to you I would love to share a bottle of wine with you well that first class is going to be great don't you worry (laughs) and how can we support Flash FOMO thank you um we've got our socials on Instagram Facebook and YouTube and then if yourself you're a um, creator or a musician or a celebrity and you're interested in making your own merchandise and helping create a new source of revenue for your own brand then we'd love to chat to you and um, show you how the platform works anyway it's been a pleasure jasmine we wish you all the very 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 best of luck for little boy number two and to pass on my thanks to david for introducing us it's just been such a pleasure thank you so much it's been awesome Well, everyone, that's the end. Thank you so, so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to New Leaf on wherever you get your podcast from so that you don't miss out on my next episode. Feel free to message me directly on Instagram at at newleafpodcast if you like and on at Growth if you are feeling inspired and want to find out about my personalised pre and postnatal mum coaching programmes. Have a lovely, lovely day. And if you are a parent, have an even better night. Bye, everybody.